Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. My goal is to give practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. Today in Episode 5, we're going to take a look at math. And in particular, we're going to look at what math classes to take in high school and when. I have two adopted kids from the Democratic Republic of Congo and three from Uganda. And when my Congolese kids came to America, they spoke Lingala. Lingala is a language that was not even documented until the 1970s. They've been home four years now. And when they came to America, they couldn't speak any English but they could speak fluent Lingala, a little bit of French, but again, no English. My Ugandan kids, my three from Uganda, they spoke Luganda and no English. So what's happened is because it's been four years and as much as we've tried to use our native language, we haven't been very successful at that. Now they cannot speak their native languages and they only speak English. So the occasional Mbote, Sangunini, Sangumalamu, Jindi, uh, the, the, some of the basic words that we know from their language, we try to use those a lot, but that's no good because they've lost everything else. Math is a language you learn to speak. If you stop speaking it, you will lose it as well. Now, that doesn't mean you can never do math again, but you will start degrading in your ability to quickly, efficiently do math. On the ACT, you must be able to efficiently speak the language of math to determine correct answers. The math test is 60 questions over 60 minutes. This does not mean that you have one minute per question. I know it averages out to that. But if you approach an ACD math test with the idea that I have one minute per question, you're in trouble. By question 20, you cannot have spent 20 minutes. If you're averaging one minute per question on the first 20, you're in big trouble. The questions in general get harder as you go. So the first 20 should be worked much faster than the last 20. And in order to work efficiently, especially through those early math questions, you've got to have math fresh on your mind from several years of high school and junior high math. I'm going to give you an approximate breakdown of what the math test on the ACT covers. Let me say right up front, this will not match necessarily what ACT publishes. It seems that ACT has all these little subcategories and they kind of I don't know, they changed these quite a bit. I'm not going to go into a big discussion now about why they change all that. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. I'm just going to stick with some very general numbers. And although you may say, oh, I don't think it was quite that, or I think it might have been a little more, I'm close. About 40% of the ACD math test is geometry. About 53% is pre-algebra, Algebra 1, and Algebra 2. The remaining 7% is trigonometry. Again, there's some fluctuation in that, but generally speaking, you can break it down into those 
three main categories. When I say pre-algebra, algebra one, and algebra two, that varies by high school. So again, it's a generality. Some schools, algebra two programs will be different than other schools, but I think you get the idea. Notice also there's no calculus on the ACT. For some students, pre-algebra will be seventh grade. For others, it will be eighth grade. Algebra one may be taken in the eighth grade. Algebra one may be taken as a freshman. It is interesting to note that if Algebra 1 is taken as an 8th grader and that counts towards your graduation requirements, that Algebra 1 GPA or grade in that class will count towards your high school graduation GPA. I'm sure there's exceptions to that, but it's important that you know that if it indeed does apply to the graduation GPA. We know a lot of scholarships will include a GPA portion in the grading scale or requirements. So we must make sure even at that early age, we're considering that grade for uh, the, the class that may count toward a high school GPA. After pre-algebra and algebra one, many schools will then have students take geometry. So this would typically be the freshman year for advanced students and the sophomore year for everyone else. Then Algebra 2 follows geometry, and students may finish with any combination of trigonometry, math analysis, pre-calculus, and calculus. You'll find a lot of different titles for the classes that follow trigonometry. Some schools, uh, even the class itself, trig, might say it's a trig math analysis, or a, they may call their trig class a pre-calc class. Different schools define that differently, and we'll, we'll talk about in just a little bit how to view that or how to define that or what you may want to do when selecting which classes you want to take. Some schools will encourage students to bypass all courses after Algebra 2 and take College Algebra as a concurrent class. Concurrent classes count for both high school and college credit. And hey, with the cost of college these days, that's something that can save you a lot of money. I used to be uh, much more leaning on the side of, hey, let's don't get too caught up in getting college credits early. Uh, let's let's stay in you know our high school classes, take all you know all those we can. But with the cost of college and how normalized concurrent classes have become, and many times those are just integrated with the normal courses, I think it's a great option and one you definitely should consider. So what math classes should you take and when? If your goal is to maximize ACT scores, you should take these courses to start. Pre-algebra, Algebra 1, Geometry, Algebra 2, and Trigonometry. They don't necessarily have to be in that order. I put Geometry between Algebra 1 and Algebra 2 simply because that's what most high, school, high schools do. There's some argument that can be made that geometry should be after Algebra 2. That argument might be, well, if I'm going to take trigonometry after geometry, since they're so related, that would make that transition easier. An argument might be, well, if 40% of the math test is geometry and I'm an advanced student, if I take geometry as a freshman, then it's going to be three years until I use geometry again my senior year. 
I don't get caught up a lot in should geometry be before algebra two. That's not my biggest issue. We're going to get to my biggest issue concerning geometry in just a moment. Trigonometry is the key class. I want all students to take trigonometry. Now, there's a few reasons why. The first reason is the most important. Trigonometry refreshes or even reteaches at times geometry. If 40% of the math test is geometry and you do what I said just a moment ago, you take it as a freshman, I've got to get that fresh on my mind again. When I teach faculty classes, I say to the faculty, if you decide to go to law school and you do torts one, your first semester of law school, when you take your bar exam three years later, will you review torts one? Absolutely. There's no way you would go into a bar exam without reviewing what you did three years ago. Well, the ACT is the same way. Geometry is going to be taken by many of our students the freshman year and three years later, you have to take a test. We're about 24 of the 60 questions are over geometry or something you've done years ago. So if a student takes trig, then that does a great job of bringing that window forward from the freshman year to typically the junior year. So the student is doing geometry and those concepts again by the junior year. So what's the other reason why you should take trigonometry? A lot of students stop taking math classes after algebra two. And the argument is, Hey, I have all my math requirements. I don't need to take any more math. Well, this leads me to the point. You must take a math class your senior year. This math class could be trig. If that is your next one in the order, then let it be trig. If you say, wait, I've already had trig. I don't have any other math classes that I need to take. So I'm not going to take a math class. Remember the discussion at the beginning of the episode. If you stop speaking the language, it gets really difficult to be efficient at the language. So we need to keep doing math. And if we take trig, that's great. If it's beyond trig, that's great too, because I need to take the math class. That math class could be a number of choices. Could be pre-calc. Maybe at your school, it's calculus. And maybe it's college algebra. So some schools will encourage their students to go take college algebra because that way you'll get a dual credit. And I'm not, uh, I'm okay with that. One of the problems with this is if I could take a calc class that would apply like an AP calc or something of that nature, that could be great if I'm going to go into a technical major that requires calculus. For example, I was an engineering major at Oklahoma State. I needed calc. I did take AP calc in high school. And much to the chagrin of my teacher, I did not do the AP test. I didn't want to get that calc credit in high school because I was worried that I would not have a foundation of calculus that I needed. So I went ahead and took calc again when I got to college. Now, if I had that to do over today uh, with the cost of college and uh, you know, back, back then I had almost a full ride to Oklahoma state. So it wasn't like I was thinking, Oh man, I'm gonna have to pay for this. I just thought it'd be the right decision. If I could do it over today, I would go ahead and take that AP class or even better. I would just take the CLEP test. 
We'll talk about that later in uh, future podcasts, but CLEP testing is unbelievably valuable for students, and I would encourage you to look into those. In the business that I'm in, I get a lot of questions from parents, a lot of emails, calls, whatever, and I get this question quite a bit. Hey, my son is a senior, and you know he's a great student, he's doing all this, but he's really struggling on that math test. So we'd really like some help with that. What could you do? My first question every time, what math class is he in? Now, what do you think the answer to that usually is? Well, Mr. Cargill, he's not taking a math class his senior year. I always just go, really? Well, why is that? And mom will say, well, I wanted him to have a happy senior year. And I'll just ask, well, okay. Are you happy now? See, that's not good. Don't buy the lie that we don't take math. So we have a happy senior year. See when he can't do math because he stopped speaking the language of math, you, and he will not be very happy. We want to take math and I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not so concerned about which one it is. As long as we're continuing in the progression, I'll give you a quick story to, um, maybe this will help you with, uh, questioning the school on which math class that should be. So I did a project years ago with a doctoral student in statistical process control. And what she was doing, she was helping me with a project where we were looking at what math classes students took at a particular high school and how it directly affected ACT scores in the subsection of math at that high school. So when I sat down with the administrators, I said, okay, what math classes do students take here? And we went through the progression, pre-algebra, algebra one, geometry, algebra two. Then they said, after algebra two, students get a choice. They can take trigonometry or pre-calc. Then if they take another math, they would take calc. So my question was, how do you know which one to choose? Should it be trig or should it be pre-calc? And they said, well, we just let the student decide. And I said, well, what if the goal was to have or maximize ACT scores? Then which one would you pick? And they said, we don't know. We just let the students pick. I said, well, what if they don't specify? Then what do you do? And the administrators said, we just equally divide them. So when I did this study, we looked at what classes students at that high school had been taking, what their ACT scores were, and we built a statistical model. This was not just something of averages. You get into neural network stuff, it's, it's, this stuff gets highly technical, and I certainly can't explain it all. But they determined in that doctoral study that trigonometry was the statistically significant course to an improvement in ACT math scores at that school. And it was not just, again, a play on averages, but they found through the data and the history that students who took trig there was the critical class. So when I met with the staff in the post-study uh, meeting, I shared with them the data and I told them, look, if a student's priority is to increase ACT scores, math scores, then channel that student to the trigonometry side. And my other thing was, is let's figure out the difference in those two courses and see how we might align them better 
so we can maximize ACT scores. So it's a good question to ask if you're a parent or a student. If a school gives you options on which class to take beyond Algebra 2, you might say, hey, do we have any data, any knowledge of what might directly affect ACT scores? It's crucial that you refresh basic math before each test. I've had parents say to me, well, my son's in calculus, but his math scores, you know, not the greatest. And I always say, hey, is your son around? She'd be like, yeah. I'll say, hey, ask him uh, how many integrals he saw on the last ACT. And she'll ask and she'll go, yeah, he said there weren't any. I'm like, yeah, there's no calculus on the test. If we're in calc, you got to remember there's no derivatives, no integrals, but there is mean, mode, median, range, distance formula, equation of a circle. This is stuff we did years ago. We've got to get it fresh on our minds. I want you to make sure that you review the basic stuff. Now, what are those basic items? You can find those different places. If you have my prep book, you can go on chadcargill.com. If you have my prep book, Chad Cargill's ACT Test Prep, you can look in the back of my book and you will see uh, it's, a, it's a page in the back that says things you must know the day of the ACT. And I just list them. It'll, it's just bullet points. We got to know midpoint formula, distance formula, equation of a circle, and so on. And I just list them all. If you've been to my workshop, I tell the students at my class, the week of every ACT, you got to have a friend, parent, teacher, somebody quiz you over the packet. And that person needs to go line by line or bullet by bullet on my packet and say, all right, tell me the equation of a circle and see if the student knows it. We've got to refresh that. If you haven't been to my class, if you haven't gotten my book, it's fine. You use any book you want, whatever. But we've got to go through all of those basic things and make sure it's fresh. If we know the basic geometry, the basic algebra, then at least we have a chance. If we don't know that basic stuff, then we're for sure going to struggle. So to summarize the episode, we need to take math. You need to take it all four years. If your goal, your priority is to maximize your ACT score, maximize your math score, then you need to be speaking the language all four years of high school and you need to take a math your senior year. So we start with the standard progression beyond algebra two. I'm looking for trigonometry beyond trigonometry. Then I'm trying to find what is the best fit, whether that's a pre-calc calc, whether that's a college algebra or something, but we want to make sure we are speaking the language of math. I will have all of this in the show notes for you. You can find that on podcast.chadcargill.com. This is episode five. You can also find those show notes in your podcast apps. Uh, if you look in that, you should see all of those show notes attached. My website is chadcargill.com. My workshop schedule is calendar.chadcargill.com. Now, if you are taking the April test and you're listening to this podcast when it is released, you don't have much time. I only have three weeks of classes left, and I will be in Oklahoma, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Arkansas, I believe. In, um, in just these next three weeks, you can find all of my classes there, and hopefully you will be able to make it to one of my workshops. If not, I'd love to come to you. If you can't see that uh, class close to you, then I'd love to come to you. And you can certainly reach out to us and I will hopefully be able to get it on the schedule and come to you. So that is the workshop schedule. As always, I'd like to give you a free resource to help you with your scholarship apps and your resumes. If you go to scholarships.chadcargo.com, a little window will appear that will ask, uh, it'll ask you to say, tell me where to send it. 
and you enter your email there and I will automatically have you added to my email list and it will appear, the PDF document of that segment will appear in your inbox. It will give you a great resource for how to word things on your scholarship applications and resumes to get your application at the top of the list so you're winning and qualifying for college. Well, that'll do it for episode five. I'm thankful to all of you who have listened to the first four episodes of the podcast and now fifth episode with this one. I will continue to create these every week. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, as always, feel free to email me, chat at chadcargill.com or go to our Facebook page, the Chad Cargill Workshops Facebook page. I have a link to that in the show notes and post any questions you want there. I do check that. I will answer it and I will be glad to respond or even do an episode on your question. Well, I hope you guys have a great week and I will be back next week with episode six. I can't wait to join you. I hope you listen again. Thank you and have a great week.